This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 451, Baron. Hello, today is Friday when we're recording and you're ready to get another edition of GamesAtWork.biz presented by your co-hosts, Michael, Michael, and Andy. Uh, Mr. Rowe, how are you this fine day? I am well. I, I missed you guys last week. Thank you for holding down the fort. I really enjoyed the episode. And as you mentioned, next Friday, Wasted Time Pro on the Vision Pro. Woo-woo! <laughs> Get get it get your copy while you can, people. Yep. <laughs> Andy, how are you doing today? Hello, both of you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to have Michael back. I know he's been super busy preparing for the release of the shiny new hardware with all of his software. Oh yeah. So uh, I'm it's glad I'm glad that you're not going to be selling it in Europe though, because with the new App Store rules in Europe, you'd end up paying when it when it downloads from a third-party app store you have to pay apple loads of additional money it's uh well incredibly well sneaky. the nice thing is i will gladly pay them 85 percent of what i charge wow michael you <laughs> wow. and your revenue sharing yeah yeah well you know you, <laughs> we we're all going to live vicariously through you when we get to this point on on the vr uh apple vision pro when we'll, well I, i'm still point. looking forward to getting a couple of uh of the um, spatial videos from you guys. Since yeah, we, we both we, have the 15s. We need to start recording every moment of our lives on in spatial yeah. video, so, so that I can actually look at it right instead of just their samples. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have, we'll have a, like a little campfire or something, Andy. Right? You know. Yeah. We'll, why not? We'll do that. Uh, that do a little tour fun. of my studio, and you can have a look around. Oh, that would be that I'll, would be cool. I'll be at Fosdam next weekend. Actually, I'm not going to be on the Woo! show next week. So uh, yeah, we can do a little virtual tour if you want. There you are. Very cool. So we we've got a great show again for everyone, and we're we're going to start with a whole level of immersiveness with some of the stories that listeners and co-hosts and others alike have put into the list for this week's episode. Uh, starting off with Microsoft Teams, um, so um, we have some interesting elements here that now Microsoft, well, Microsoft Mesh, not just Teams, is available to allow for immersive 3D meetings. Um, what do you guys take as a, a first view of this? So there is a campfire there, so you could enjoy yeah. a campfire in the demo, right? Yeah, that is exactly what well, I was going to comment on. I was going to comment on the fact that the demo video, the little GIF here that's embedded in the Verge article, shows a, a, a sort of a meeting space in a big plaza with a campfire, which feels very Second Life familiar to me. Some of the other Very. things about about the little clip there is that just the indoor space that they show as part of it feels very uh, quest uh, meta quest kind of uh, home environment or even Sony home. Uh, you remember PlayStation Home when they when you had the the three D environment that you could have in kind of inside your PlayStation where you could have your mm-hmm. achievements and stuff. And uh, yep. yeah, I, I feel like it's all beginning to blend together. I found it interesting that technology that they have been 
talking about for a number of years and more or less I've only seen it in demos or referred to at conferences rather than um, seen uh, as a live thing. I'm quite excited that potentially I can try it out and, and use it on my uh, MetaQuest, uh, but I also wonder how many people use Microsoft Teams because I know my experience is that it doesn't have a great reputation as a as a virtual meeting software. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just uh, hang out with the wrong people. Who knows? I've 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 worked with one customer who uses Teams, hmm. and so. Mm-hmm. Half of our meetings were on Zoom and half of them were on Teams. Um, and I, I will say, as much as we malign uh, Zoom, or not Zoom, WebEx, half of them were on WebEx, half of them, uh, much as we uh, malign that because, you know, you always malign the tool that you use, um, they malign Teams just as much. So we were equally maligned. Uh, <laughs> so that means, you know, in, in the whole metaverse, it's all equally bad right now so well uh, i and i don't expect it to be much better to be honest on the vision pro <laughs> i had a friend on facebook commenting about the fact that teams was prompting her uh on the mac i think for you know to opt into the new experience or whatever that might be and people were saying don't do it the user experience is the user interface is is bad um and i remember this story that we'd share between the three of us and said oh you know maybe you'll get to experience with the the virtual world element of it but uh, and i know that the friend i'm thinking of probably would be extremely grumpy about having to <laughs> having to uh, do that as well um the mastodon the next- post those links into the fact that mr michael will be able to try this out right yes on the vision os environment well it's supposed to be available also on vision pro because microsoft is making their products available but it's not clear, again, from the screenshot, what that means, right? Yes. And, yeah. and how that exactly. integration will happen. I mean, it doesn't look like it's the Microsoft Mesh virtual world experience. It looks like it's the desktop experience floating in front of you in a in the space. Um, mm. which, which, is, which, which, in all fairness, can be a native Vision Pro app. Native Vision Pro apps have three contexts, a flat screen, three-dimensional and an immersive screen so listen yeah, listen to the I'm man who's saying. been uh, messing with uh, building vision Pro apps. <laughs> I, I i have been really and, and sorry to rat hole just for a second but i've been seeing a lot of uh apple arcade games that are exposing their vision pro uh versions uh vision os versions and um, some of them are really doing a good job of taking advantage of the 3D space, taking a standard little uh, RPG and extending extending it out into a three-dimensional space. So I'm looking forward to testing those out. And, and you know, while this is coming up a little later in the, the original run of show, um, you can go and find a whole list of things that are available uh, for Vision Pro uh, off of a GitHub link that we have here too, and uh, you can just yeah, I'll talk to more detail about that later. <laughs> oh, so we'll 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 come back it's to more that. More than just that. We'll, we'll we we won't leave this topic. Don't worry, anyone. If you are worried that we were not going to cover the Vision I, I Pro, I was not here last week. And yeah. You guys did a great job, and I've got to chime in. I think our <laughs> listeners should accept that we're never going to leave this topic. Yeah, for the rest Never. of our existence. Now that Michael's getting one, it's going to be just all, we, all he talks about. So, so we've got about two more shows left. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> now, Andy, we did have a link that you'd found that is more tactile than visual. It's and 
It's way it cooler is, than it, Vision it, Pro. It, it, it is, awesome. isn't it? it? It helps to solve the problem that if you are operating in a 3D virtual reality space and part of what you need to do is move around, um, that you get the sense of moving around. So talk to us a little bit about this this Disney capability. Yeah, I mean, it's it looks too good to be true in many respects. It's called Disney Holotile. It's a uh, prototype. It's a research prototype that uh, they are showing off in... Um, in some videos here and rather than the kind of enlarged bowl that we've talked about and seen in a in shows in the past where you kind of walk in space in inside of a bowl or something that would enable you to move on the spot this one is based on these tiny little tiles which appear to move under your feet on the spot and as it says you know really the 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 tiny tiles that their their only task is to stop the walker from leaving their pad, so they kind of yeah. adapt to the direction that you're moving, so that you can still feel the sensation of movement. It it does look incredible, and I mean, I think that it's probably as it mentions at the end of this article on TechCrunch, probably prohibitively expensive from a consumer hmm. perspective right now. Um, if that was the kind of thing that you could get as a, some kind of smart mat in the future that could be paired with your device, that might be very, very interesting indeed. I I thought this was was amazing. Um, it did it did remind me uh, of uh, like when my hip bothers me. <laughs> the way the guy was walking, it was like that gentle walk of an elderly person who's trying to be cognizant of exactly how they're walking and i really wanted to see him run right mm. I, I wanted to see fast movement because the, the the way the tiles work they they have some limitation on how they're able how fast they're able to move so that it simulates f- moving forward without actually moving forward mm. the other part that i thought was really awesome about it was the way it's laid out, you actually can have multiple people on the same surface and each of them can be walking independently in a different direction. That was amazing. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty cool. I, I had to wonder, though, about um, getting on and getting off of this because if you make the mat a little bit too large, you know, that could potentially be problematic. <laughs> it's like the comfy chair. You just can't get out of the comfy chair. <laughs> So yeah, it, there there was a certain mo- motion he would do at the stop, mm. right? You could there was there were things that were probably sending signals on. Yes, I want to get off versus <laughs> I want to keep running. <laughs> and hopefully, if that's code control, they that they you don't you don't have a bug, and that all of a sudden you run <laughs> yourself straight into a wall with your <laughs> VR headset firmly embedded in the in the sheetrock. Um, uh, not, not, not to leave our immersive section just yet. We have one more thing. And this, this was one that I found and it, it struck me as kind of interesting on a couple of levels. So Samsung has uh, announced a new smart ring and certainly there's lots to be said about different ways of interacting with the physical world and, and doing all the quantified self related stuff here too. But the thing that kind of grabbed me was, is that if you have a smart ring on and you've miniaturized sensors to a degree, this could be something that allows you to do 
many more gestures, many more uh, related activities that today are reliant upon cameras or reliant upon other ways of signaling moving through a space. So yes, it's similar to the aura ring. It's yes, it's, uh, you know, doing things like heart rate and stuff like that. But you can you can imagine how rings like this will have other sets of capabilities. And it's interesting to me that Samsung's moving this way. I think it's Samsung playbook in terms of copying someone else. Um, I have an aura ring. I don't love it. Um, I especially don't love it now that it's a couple of years old and the battery is pretty pretty poor. Uh, you know, I, I have to literally charge it through whenever I'm near well, the, the the stand is by the bed. I'm whenever I'm near the bed or you take it off, put it on the on the on the stand now, um, just at least for a few minutes, if not for a number of hours to or I don't know an hour or so to get it fully charged. Just um, because, yeah, it's it's dramatically dropped in um, performance, and they've added new features over time in terms of what it can uh, apparently monitor. But you know, look, they're they're an early mover. I'm gonna potentially take that to scale, which is their their has been their behaviour with these things. I think some of the stuff about the ecosystem of things that Samsung has is quite interesting. But I mean, honestly, Samsung and Aura are not the only ones in this space. I mean, you can get these things right. now for not very much money from Chinese sellers, basically. Uh, and assuming you're going to do the work to build all the software and do all the monitoring and figure out the algorithms, then, you know, you've got a product right there. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm less excited about it than other people may be, as you can tell. I, I, my my excitement here is not the fact that it's another ring. Um, it's that Samsung, which is such a global behemoth in the consumer mm. market, is putting out a ring. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the the like Michael's thoughts. I I think it's a great um, input device for certain things. If you can figure out the algorithms to 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 better understand the motion or the sensor data and use it as an input into uh, a mixed reality environment or some other uh, environment. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Aura has been along, around for what, five years, somewhere around that? I, certainly, three to five years? Three, certainly three. Yeah. Three, three, I would say at yeah. least. But um, um, yeah, look, it's, it's an, in, it's an interesting thing. Um, I think, there's a comment here as well about how they could easily make it a bundle. So as Google did with the Pixel Watch, you know, you buy any Pixel, you get a watch. Uh, they could yep. do that with the watch or the phone and say, hey, you know, get people used to the idea. It's a, it, it's apparently more accurate location for doing some of these measurements. So speaking of the watch, uh, Michael, I know you got the, uh, the new Ultra back in the fall, right? Mm-hmm. And did you ever enable and use the finger controls? Um, I've tried it a couple of times, but I have not been super successful with it. So I have not tried again in a while. Doing it, yeah, doing, doing it right yeah. now. I, doing it right now. I've just gone into my uh, my notification. Well, not my notifications. It's the scrolly screen, isn't it? Which I don't use very much anyway. I just 
I had the answers. Yeah, it, their answers I, mean, I couldn't such a remember big until, thing. until until you said it, and then I tried it, and then I was like, oh yeah, no, it's just done the thing on the watch. Okay, <laughs> because I was thinking that the input, right? You know, using the ring as an input uh, method, uh, and that got me to the watch, and I was like, I had tried it on the the original Ultra using just the accessibility feature, and found it to be somewhat lacking. All right. And well, it's it's, it's worked so much better on the two. It's working now really well. Just now that I've tried it, because um, I'm just scrolling through the <laughs> yeah. stack, like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I've, okay. I've, I'm okay. going. I'm going out to dinner later tonight. This is kind of cool. So, so, so you, so I should try to ping you as much as possible during your dinner time, and you can just ignore it by tapping. I or <laughs> or I could just ignore it by ignoring it. Or period. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, uh, speaking of ignoring things, uh, we, we now have in our AI section a um, update on one of the things that we had talked about a while ago. Uh, apparently, this is an app by the same University of Chicago people who developed the Glaze app have created something called the Nightshade app. And what this does is it poisons the artwork to which this app is applied against so that the training models that are trying to ingest said artwork now cannot really use it that well. And we, we had a fun talk about these kind of things when we first encountered them. Um, it's interesting now that this is now being made more widely available. That's, that's kind of good. I am a big proponent in terms of producers of content, having the ability to manage and maintain their own content that they have ownership rights to. Um, but it's a, it's an intriguing, uh, another step in the cat and mouse game here that you can imagine there's going to be an inoculation app that people who ingest vast quantities of stuff are going to be able to remove the, uh, the poisonous material from their content. Well, I, I I love the 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 disclaimer at the end. You know, uh, developers are urged to use caution with it. Yeah, and what kind because of caution? If you're playing around with poison, you might want to use caution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I had seen this one come across my feed this week and remembered our long discussions that we had a couple of months back. And I thought, okay, good to see yet another attempt at this. Well, um, it's a different but attempt, though, how right? effective is it? It's a different thing, right? So one of them wanted to be a defense against style, matching styles, and this one wants to actually mm -hmm. deliberately poison and, and attack the model overall, as I understand it. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's interesting that it requires such a high spec machine to um well actually it doesn't say high spec, it just kind of says you need a modern machine, doesn't it? Whether yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, an Apple Silicon or PC running Windows ten or eleven. So it just means, you know, you need to be up to date, I guess, rather than high spec. But yeah, I I still see a lot of concerns around this whole space, so I wonder how commonly this will be used. So, so uh, I'd like to test it with a with a data set just to see what happens, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that would but be then fun. Again, I don't want to corrupt any of my data sets. Well, you've yeah, been, you've in, been in, gathering any of the sets? apps you're working on, right? I, I am working on one right now. <laughs> so, actually, I'm working on two: one for fun and one for work. You're using that to gather surreptitiously gather data to train your models. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> For example, if somebody was to wear a headset with a camera in it, then it would be reading whatever that was being looked at. 
Maybe. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. And then judging if they're wasting time or not, perhaps. Oh. <laughs> so um, related, but not really related. It's related only because of the name in, in the beginning of this article is uh, an article that's talking about food bloggers and how they are using nightshade in <laughs> in their online recipe pages. And this is this is kind of fun. Um, Andy tried to make sure that um, the co-hosts here, Michael and myself, wouldn't do a mistake and saying, oh, look at this. It's the same thing. But it's, it's not really the same thing as we said it's before. It's not the same thing. No. But it, it kind of sort of has a little bit of the same effect now, doesn't it? Because there are scraping capabilities that are trying to pull information from recipes. And this is a way that it's not going to be so successful right well so uh, let's just uh, unpack this one a little bit in case people don't go to read the show notes which they should because they there's should. a load they should always of, do that load of links to really interesting articles this is my friend alec muffet who i've known for a long time very very smart human and he posted uh, this piece and i think i saw it on may have seen it on threads but anyway he posted this piece saying food bloggers are adding nightshade and other poisons to online recipe pages to defeat the cooks.wiki uh, tool, which I don't know if you've seen recently being talked about, but people have been posting and saying, hey, this thing's great. You can basically put cooked.wiki on the front start of any page that has recipes. Typically, we'll get shittified with ads and other stuff, and you know, food bloggers want to put their life stories in front to make you stay on the page for a long time and get them their advertising dollars and things before they get to the yeah. point of the recipe. Um, so the idea is that the, that Alec is positing and suggesting might be a real or could have been a real story. It's kind of a black mirror type thing that mm -hmm. people might start to surreptitiously add these poisons in a white font, uh, white on white font or something that would be invisible to the human eye to, to read or, or to the uh -huh. specifically to the digital eye uh, in the case of a scraper in order to actually poison people and that people would then be stupid enough to follow instructions well, that in, in directed them to add these poisonous ingredients. So, so I have a great story about people being stupid. Right. Well, uh, I mean, there's, there's <laughs> lots of those, but... So, 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 and, and, and Michael, you and I were working together back in those days. Uh, I guess it was 2004. So we're the people being Maybe. stupid. Yes. Okay. No, keep, keep no going. we weren't. Oh, we okay. weren't. Darn it. Uh, we, we, we were working together and we actually had a team working in Germany and we, there were a group of us that went over some meetings in Germany. Yeah. And this is when you could start getting GPSs in rental cars. And a group of us were all going to meet for dinner. Mm-hmm. And one team followed their GPS down the wrong way of a one-way street because of construction detours. And they said, well, we were following the GPS. Do you remember that, Michael? Um, I must have I, blocked it out. Maybe I, I was drinking. I, <laughs> I, I was like, people, just because the machine told you. I have had this exact discussion in the last month while sitting at a networking event and talking about AI and, and algorithms and people following instructions blindly. Blindly. And who's responsible? Is it the corporation versus the human versus the algorithm versus... I literally have had that exact same conversation and it was very... It was, it was really disappointing to me, uh, actually, because it was a group of people at a technology-ish, technologists-ish... Um, 
consulting networking event who and 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 that came up as a as quite a provocative question and I, it is it is still a provocative question where the legal responsibility lies in those scenarios but um and 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 who when you sign that you accepted the terms and conditions at what point you know all that kind of stuff and people driving off of bridges or down wrong ways one way streets yeah. or whatever level of you know anything from inconvenience to fatality could can occur if yeah. you if you don't pay attention um pay attention take but, some responsibility but, for your own actions but but, but <laughs> well uh, but there's also a question of ethics and yep. to what level uh systems should be made in a, in a way that is ethical and sensible and safe as well so it's a it's a complex area i'm not trying to belittle it i i want to just go back to alex peace here because he is making the very strong point and it comes back to what we've just discussed that you know he's he's positing this satirical situation which doesn't exist but presented in a kind of black mirror style this could happen mm -hmm. and yeah. then saying you've got all these people on massed on threads twitter elsewhere saying this is great this cook.wiki thing is amazing it's got de-initifying de everything and stripping away all of the commercial value from people and and so on but then saying actually um there's this thing that is supposedly gonna you know enable us to be vigilantes as well and people are as he says it's weird to me that people who support the stripping of content revenue and control from bloggers may be the ones condemning the training of models on content otherwise entirely open to humans to read themselves right uh and yep. you know it's uh yeah it's it, it, it it's a really this whole space is way more complicated than just talking about you know just just presenting the 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 X and the Y, right? There's there's so many right. shades in the middle, night shades, uh, gray shades in the middle, right? <laughs> Twilight shades. Uh, it, it, Fifty shades of gray. And and for the Apple transcript, that was Michael Rowe, in case you were wondering. <laughs> Four hundred and fifty-one shades of gray, perhaps. There we are. That's right. I, you know, it it, it is a, it's an interesting topic, right? And AI is is going to find itself pervasive throughout many, many, many aspects of our day to day living. Um, interestingly enough, I had a listener link come in regarding uh, a capability called Hava from the Diet Doctor crowds of Doctor Enfelt and Doctor Naiman uh, on a, an AI application that is used to help measure. Uh, I'm gonna not pr pronounce it properly. Satiety, I think. Uh, you know, satiation. Uh, no, it's it, S A. Like, are you satiated? Uh, yes, yes. So uh, that you have, you're full enough for okay. what you eat. And one of the challenges that for those people who have been monitoring what they eat on a regular basis is you might be able to take a picture of a plate of whatever it is that you're going to eat and the. Character, uh, the character recognition, the the recognition, the video recognition of what is on in the picture has not been sufficient to be able to handle that sort of thing. Either portion sizes uh, or contents, really difficult right. to go do. Uh, so 
I have not personally downloaded this particular application yet to give it a whirl, and this video is only six days old, so it's still pretty new stuff. But it's, it's interesting to see how this is now moving in this well, direction, leveraging AI and and visual character or visual recognition, I should say. Well, it's six days old and 48, 38 minutes long, and ain't nobody got time for that, is what yes. I say. So uh, That's there's, there's I say. no surprise that we haven't watched <laughs> it. Sure. it even though there is a timestamp uh, in the comment uh, in the description, and we could have gone immediately to like thirty minutes in and watched the last eight minutes and probably got what we needed out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, that that might be the case for the both of you. I I actually did watch it and try to understand where this is coming from, just because this is an area that is of enormous economic value to so many people when you're looking at the diet industry and how people are trying to maintain and control their weight. And I just thought this is an interesting step in that direction that allows now AI to be used in a way that can help. However, you've got the exact same challenges that Michael, you and Andy, you were just alluding to in the prior article of who's responsible in the end. If you're just using an app to blindly guide you right. and do what you do, right. that's not going to help you in the long run. You still have to be exactly. the human in a loop and make decisions. Well, look, we've only got five or so minutes left, and Michael wants to talk a lot <laughs> about the Vision Pro because we haven't done that yet. So, Oh, yeah. No, we should move all. along. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So we can't buy it anymore, can we, Michael? No, you, you guys. I mean, I never actually could. can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, actually, I know multiple people in the UK who have ordered them and are flying into New York. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, who knows where this is? What happened with the iPhone, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, um, but is is he you know, the, is he the more interesting? No, oh. no. <laughs> he probably so, should uh, be though. But the the, the the more interesting is is. Um, They've actually allowed people to move their pickup times around because um, they filled in really quick. But I think they were just reserved and people are moving them around. So that's interesting. Uh, Is there a secondary market up, for that? There's a huge secondary market for them already on eBay. People selling them. No, for pickup times. Like $7,000. But for pickup times. See, that would be great. Right? No, no, no. Just, just the, 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 which I think again is kind of ludicrous because but, you can get them in March. But plus, also, wait a minute. Why would you be? Aren't they? Isn't this meant to be like all super nicely fitted to your face and all that kind of thing? So why would yes. you just go and buy one from some other random person for exactly. twice as much if it's not going to work? For <laughs> exactly. You? Okay. Well, there you go. People. I, I, again, people. I I don't understand some people. Humans. I'll be picking mine up on the third. Mm -hmm. I could have got it on the second, but it's a work day and I didn't want to skip. Plus, it's a recording day for us, so I didn't want to skip that either. Two so. of, it's a recording day for two uh, of us, but not me. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, and uh, so I chose for in-store pickup instead of home delivery because I want the experience of making sure it all fits right and how to do it right. Right. Yep. Including the, uh, including the, the corrective lenses. I have those. Those are delivered to my house on Friday, and I'll bring them into the store and put them in. So very cool. So, so let's talk about this GitHub gist, which is a yes, that's more important thing on a list. A list of uh, iPad apps marked as available on Vision OS. So, so, so what this is is um, they've they've taken the App Store API uh -huh. and scanned it uh, to see which apps will be available on Vision OS. It doesn't mean that they're native. By default, in Xcode, if you've got an iPad app, Apple defaulted it to yes. 
make it able to run on Vision OS. Okay. And companies had to actively go in and change the flag to no when they submitted an update to their app. Mm-hmm. That means when they were claiming, you know, um, 1.5 million or however many, 150 million apps or whatever the number was that they claimed, it was ones that were flagged yes, which was the default. <laughs> So what this just is, is somebody took the top 100 apps in each of the categories mm-hmm. and scanned their app store entries to see if they're flagged as make it available on Vision OS. Uh, so does not mean that these are all the apps that are actually rewritten for v- Vision OS. I am excited about it. Uh, I did rewrite my app for Vision OS. It is it is a native Vision OS app. You can put the clock on the wall it's, in your in your house now and just watch the clock. Pretty much. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 two dimensional. I did I made it a plane. I did not make it a space or an immersive. And then at the same time, I've been playing around a lot more with my Samsung Android tablet. Oh yeah, <laughs> you should make it run on your Samsung uh, Smart Ring actually. Yeah. But but what I did here, the, the thing I like about this is I have a SSH client on it so I can get to my pie hole from anywhere and, and do updates uh, to my pie hole. And for the audio <laughs> listeners of our podcast, the, this in this case was the tablet, not the Vision Pro because yes, it doesn't the, have that the yet. the Samsung tablet. Yes. Uh, terminal exists on, on, on Mac OS. Just I don't have a good terminal app on iOS or iPad OS. Oh, there's loads. There's, there's some good ones, yeah. Yeah, I said I don't I don't have. Mm. <laughs> well, hopefully you won't need one with the Vision Pro because that would kind of be bad. But I do expect in two weeks' time to give a, a check-in on the status of, of the Vision Pro. And did you go whole hog on everything, the case, yes. the extra battery, you know? No. Oh, really? I, I, I did get the case only because uh, for any type of travel and for the cost of repairs... <laughs> I want it protected. Yeah. Yes, it was pricey. Uh, I went for the terabyte because I want to have movies on it. <laughs> so that makes sense. And I think we're out of time. We're pretty we, much out we of time. Are. We, just, we should just say goodbye to um, Ingenuity, though. It's uh, oh, it's that's true. Flown, that's sad. It's flown its final flight. Um, the little helicopter on Mars, which I've i kind of uh, had a thing for. I thought thought it was so so cool, and it has uh, suffered cool. some terminal damage to its rotors apparently so uh won't be flying anymore really sad bye ingenuity bye listeners have a great week we'll be back again next week see ya you've been listening to games at work.biz the podcast about gaming technology and play we are part of the blueberry podcasting network and would like to thank the band random encounters for their song big blue You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz.